closer to your computer screens or your TVs or wherever you're watching right now. We may be having a little microphone trouble, so in a few minutes Mr. Chase may come in and, and make me go over to the lectern or bring me a microphone, but hopefully you can hear me. And if my mic is working, I hope I'm not talking too loudly in your ear. <laughs> but I'm glad to be with you this morning. Have you ever been hungry? Has your stomach ever growled? Have you ever found yourself maybe cleaning your room or sitting in school and thinking, I really want a snack right now? Well, the story that we just heard was about a big group of people who were following Jesus. The story says that there were 5,000 men and even more women and children, and so there might have been 10,000 people gathered to hear Jesus preach. And they listened all day long. They were so fascinated by what he was saying and so moved by what he was saying and what he was doing. And toward the end of the day, they began to realize that they'd forgotten to pack a picnic. They hadn't brought any food. And so their stomachs were starting to growl, and they were getting really hungry. Some of these people may have been poor, and they didn't always know where their next meal was coming from. Maybe they knew what it was like to be hungry more often than not. But you know, as Jesus talked with them, he realized that they were hungry. And so he got his disciples together, and they broke bread, and they shared all of this bread. And it was a wonderful miracle because there was more and more and more bread and more and more and more fish. And everybody got to eat till they were absolutely full. And you know, that makes me realize that Jesus cares a lot about feeding people. Jesus doesn't want people to be hungry. Jesus wants us to know that we're loved by God and that our hearts are full with God's love. But Jesus also wants us to know that God cares about our bodies and wants our tummies to be full. So as followers of Jesus, part of the job that we have is to make sure that people have enough to eat. So I'm glad to be part of a church that takes feeding people seriously. And we want to help feed the hungry. So let's pray together for all that God calls us to do. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for this wonderful miracle that you were able to feed 10,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Help us to follow your example and to care about people who are hungry, to offer people your love and to offer people food so that no one is hungry. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go to the lectern now. And this is going to feel really weird. <laughs> I'm going to hit, knock things over with my gestures. But here I am. And here we are, together in this time of worship. We find ourselves this morning or this afternoon, or whatever time you are worshiping with us, on a hillside in Galilee, with Jesus and his disciples and the multitudes. When I was in seminary, 
My preaching professor used to joke about the old-fashioned sermon, that way back in the day, the traditional pattern of a sermon was three points and a poem. So you wanted to think about your three points, and preferably each of those points had the same letter in front, like um, hope, healing, and hallelujahs, or something like that. And so we would always joke about the three points in a poem, and we were never supposed to preach a sermon that had three points in a poem. Well, this morning in the sermon, I have three perspectives and a spiritual practice. So I'm bringing it up into the 21st century. Three perspectives and a spiritual practice that I hope will usher us all into the depth of this profound miracle. This is the only miracle story that appears in all four Gospels, and it is a miracle of compassion and abundance, revealing to us the very heart of God as being demonstrated in the life and the actions of Jesus. But before we dig into this parable, I want to explain the first verse of the text to give us a little bit of context of what is happening in the background of this story. The first verse that Julia read for us said, when Jesus heard it, he withdrew on a boat by himself to a deserted place. When the crowds heard it, they followed Jesus, pursued Jesus on the land and waited for him to return. What is this it? that Jesus and the crowds are reacting to? What is the news that they have just heard? The news is that John the Baptist is dead. If the Jewish people had had a newspaper back in those days, it would have been the front page headline, John the Baptist is dead. And he didn't die by natural causes. He was executed by the political leader of the day, Herod Antipas. John the Baptist, you see, had the gall to dare to call out Herod for being immoral, for marrying his brother's wife. And Herod didn't like it, and his wife really didn't like it. And so she manipulated things and arranged for John's beheading. So Jesus has just received this news that his relative this great prophet, the one who was called to prepare the way for Jesus and his coming, has been killed by a political leader. Not only is he grieving, but he is probably pondering and praying, what does this mean for his own ministry? What is the threat now to him and to his followers? He needs some time alone, and so he withdraws. The crowds have heard the news and what they need in this moment is Jesus. They have experienced in Jesus, in his teaching and in his healing and everything that he does, the power of God. Many of them, no doubt, are already wondering if he is the Messiah that John was talking about and preparing them for. And so when they hear the news of John's death, they only want to be closer to Jesus. They want to find him and hear what he has to say. And so they wait on the hillside. And so it is from their perspective, the perspective of the crowds, that I'd like 
first to enter into the story. Imagine, if you will, being part of this group of thousands, maybe 10,000 people who are so hungry for a word from God. These are a people oppressed by the Roman Empire, most of them probably very poor, not sure where their next meal is coming from, considered of little value in the world. And yet they have seen and experienced in this new prophet, Jesus, a healing power and a sense of connection with the God of Israel. And so they come in droves and they listen and they watch as Jesus heals the sick, as people with leprosy are now made clean, as people who are bent over and, and struggling with physical diseases are healed and leaping for joy. And they hear every word of Jesus that comes out of Jesus' mouth filled with God's love and God's power. And they can't bring themselves to leave, even though the day is growing long and the shadows are getting longer, even though they've brought no food with them and their stomachs are growling, they can't bring themselves to leave. And then suddenly, they are invited by one of Jesus' disciples to take a seat, a seat on the cool grass. They're not told to come line up and get some food. No, they're invited to take a seat and be served. And suddenly these people start serving them bread and fish and it just keeps coming and it keeps coming and they eat and they eat and they fill their bellies and there are leftovers and they are left to bask in this sense of being filled physically and spiritually. And they've come to a place where they can finally rest and be full. Which brings us now to the second perspective I want to consider in this story. The perspective of those disciples. The story doesn't tell us exactly where they were when they heard the news of John's death, but no doubt they too were grieving and afraid and weighed down with the heaviness of that news. And Jesus once again has withdrawn. They're not sure where he is, but they stay with the crowds to make sure they're with Jesus when he comes back. And they're hoping that they can just get on the boat with Jesus and sail away. Because when they look at this crowd of 10,000 or more, all they see is a bunch of need. All of the needs of the world that they can't begin to meet. And Jesus gets off the boat and he doesn't run away with them. He moves toward the crowd and he starts teaching and he starts healing and they tell themselves, well, this is going to be a long day. But as the day draws to a close, they think now, now maybe is the time where they can get away. And so they tell Jesus, all right, send these people away because the time's getting late and they don't have any food and we can't feed them all. Send them away to go into the village and take care of their own needs. Let them pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Let them take care of themselves. We can't do it. But you know what Jesus says. What does Jesus say to those disciples? And this is where I miss James and Charlotte Sewell sitting right over there. Because I think if I had asked that question, James would have answered me. 
Sometimes he responds to me in my sermons, and I love it, and I miss him sitting right there. He would know that what Jesus says to his disciples is, you give them something to eat. Imagine how those disciples felt. We? There are 12 of us and 10,000 of them. We have nothing, they say, because they look at what they have and they see nothing. Well, except five loaves of bread and two fish, but what is that to 10,000 people? And Jesus says, bring me what you have. I know you think it's nothing, but give me what you got. I can only imagine what they were thinking as they handed over those five loaves and two fish, as they watched Jesus lift them up to the heavens and give thanks for them and bless them and begin breaking them and giving them back to the disciples. And then he says, now you go and serve. Serve these people as my honored guests. And we can only imagine what it felt like to them to continue reaching into the basket and finding more than enough. Which brings us now to Jesus and his perspective in this story. No doubt he is in a place of deep grief. He needs more time by himself, I think. And yet, as he sits on that boat and prays and reflects and grieves, he sees those crowds and they followed him all along the seashore and they're, they're getting bigger and they're waiting for him. And he sees all of that need and unlike the disciples, he has compassion for them, for their deep spiritual needs and for their hurts and physical needs, their diseases and their hunger. And so he gets out of that boat and he moves in and among the crowd and he teaches them and he touches them and he heals them and he cures them of all their diseases. And when he recognizes that the day is long and their bellies are empty, he invites his disciples into this miracle of abundance where he fills each person there, treating them as an honored guest at God's table and letting them eat till their bellies are full and the baskets of leftovers are overflowing. No doubt, we can identify with this moment, the shocking news of the death of John the Baptist and the grief that that holds for those people. We too come into this story carrying heavy grief and anxiety and spiritual hunger. With all that is going on in our world in this pandemic, with new light being shown on the racial injustices in our society, with each and every one of us carrying unique burdens of anxiety and worry, of sickness and loneliness and depression and isolation, loss of jobs, loss of income, 
fear of eviction, physical hunger. We bring all of that weight with us as we come to this story. And so we may feel like the crowds in this story. We may feel like the disciples in this story, those who are called to serve with Jesus and yet feeling that we've got nothing. And so to invite us a little more deeply into this story, I want us to engage together in a spiritual practice called sacred imagination. We talked about it a little bit in the season of Lent, if you were worshiping with us then. It's something that was, was first articulated by St. Ignatius of Loyola centuries ago. But it's an invitation to place ourselves in a biblical story as one of the characters in the story. And so I want to invite you to join with me in a few moments of sacred imagination. And I've asked Chase and Mac, our wonderful technical men behind the scenes, to put up a slide of our bulletin art for this morning. It's one artist's interpretation of this scene. You can gaze upon this image, or you might want to gaze at the candle that you've lit in your worship space, or you might want to close your eyes. But I invite you to enter into this story with your imagination. Imagine first that you are part of the crowd being jostled and moved about. You've been fascinated with Jesus and what you've heard from him so far. And you know the healing that you need in your own life. Take a moment to name that need before Jesus this morning. Like the members of that crowd, you too have deep hunger. A hunger for hope. A hunger for the word of life. Perhaps a physical hunger that remains unmet in your life. Hear the invitation coming from Jesus himself to sit down on the cool grass and to receive a loaf of bread, a delicious piece of fish, a feast laid out before you for your body and for your soul. And spend some time receiving this loving gift from Christ himself that is for you. Lay down every other burden you hold this day and feast on the love of God. Now you might want to stay in that place on the grass just resting and basking in Christ's love and I invite you to do that. But you might also feel led to become one of the disciples in the story one who is being called to serve alongside of Jesus in this moment. You look around and you see all of the needs 
in your family, in your neighborhood, in this community, in our world. And you know that feeling, there is no way that I can meet those needs. Take this moment to name that emptiness before God this day. And now hear Jesus say to you, bring me what you have. Whatever gift you might have, whatever experience, whatever wound, whatever it is that you have to offer, bring it to Jesus and offer it to him today. Release it into his blessing. Allow him to break it open and give it back to you to share with others. As we remain together on this hillside, may all of us see Jesus filled with the light of love and the power of God, looking upon us with joy and delight, ready to heal us and fill us and send us out to serve. I pray that all of us have been blessed by this picnic in the grass. Amen.